0: Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. Thank you for joining us today. I wish we could see every one of you and you could see, well, seeing me is not, seeing my mug is not going to do a whole lot for you. But I wish we could be personally face to face today. But I pray that through the Holy Spirit we can be gathered around the Word of God together today as we open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now all of God's Word is God- breathe the Holy Spirit is is within the Word of God and I pray today as we study from the Word of God and preach from the Word of God amen and teach from the Word of God that we will come away from this time we spend together with a better understanding of what it means to be saved and what it means to be ready for the coming of the Lord and what it means to escape the wrath to come. In fact, that is the title of our sermon today. Flee, flee the wrath to come. Flee the wrath to come. If, 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 if you are saved today, uh, then you have run from the wrath to come, and you've run to jesus christ you know at the end of our broadcast many times when i make an invitation i tell people don't run from god run to god that you might be saved and that you might be safe and it's not just what you're saved to we don't just present heaven uh sweet we present hell hot and i'm not saying that with some kind of tongue-in-cheek uh saying that to be you know facetious. I'm saying that because there's only two places that man will spend eternity. And there's, there's no middle place. There's no, no uh, place where we can escape the reality of judgment to come. A friend of mine, I'm so glad today that I am saved, not just because of the beauty and the glory of heaven, but because of the absolute reality of hell. And that is a message you don't hear much anymore because that's regulated to the old-time fire and brimstone. By the way, fire and brimstone wasn't coined by some Preacher uh, that, that wanted to try to scare people into heaven. Jesus talked about the sounds that emanate from hell and and what is causing this terrible agony and suffering. And he's talked about weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He talked about fire and brimstone, a lake of molten rock uh, that is burning and boiling and people crying out. Friend of mine, this this is not pleasant to even talk about. Uh, listen, but we're in such an early earthbound church age, where people, knowing that Christ is coming soon, well, at least being made aware, if you read the Bible, if you listen to any of the prophecies from the Scripture, knowing that Jesus is coming soon, knowing that this world is not our home. Remember what the Scripture taught us in the New Testament? Amen. I beseech you, brethren, as pilgrims and strangers abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul if we don't see ourselves as as aliens, if we don't see ourselves as in the world but not of the world, then we're in danger of becoming uh, sucked into the world, literally pressed into the world's mold. And today I want to talk to you about fleeing the wrath to come. If you don't know Jesus, please stay tuned. This is an important message because what I'm going to teach today and preach from the Word of God, if you're not a Christian, deep, deep, deep in your heart. This will not surprise you. There are a lot of Christians that have come away from this truth, but I believe every unbeliever knows in their heart that there is a heaven to gain, and there most certainly is a hell to shun today. So please stay tuned. God wants you in heaven. He sent His Son, and Jesus died on the cross, so you could be sure that that's where you will spend eternity. Hallelujah. So let's flee the wrath to come. Let's run from the the judgment that is coming and let's run to Jesus Christ as our savior. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans three and verse. Oh, wait, wait, let's back up before we get to that. Let's read Matthew uh, chapter uh, three and verses five through eight. John the Baptist is preaching and listen to what he said. Then, then, "...went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" Bring forth therefore fruit that is meet or suitable for repentance. Who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Is there any wrath coming? Is there a judgment coming? Is there a heaven to gain? Is there a hell to shun? Listen to what Romans 3.25 says, speaking of what God has done through Christ in our behalf. Speaking of Jesus, the Apostle Paul writes, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith, which in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Jesus shed his blood, according to this scripture, to appease God's anger. That's what propitiation means. It's a word you don't hear much about today, because we don't see God as angry with our sin. Amen. He he loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. He can't be holy and not hate the sin. And he can't take us to heaven and allow that sin to remain associated with us So He's had to do something so radical in order to save us from our sin and from Satan and from ourself. Amen. He sent His only begotten Son to take our place on the cross. But we have to. He supplied the Lamb, but we have to apply that blood. He supplied the sinless blood of His own Son that we might be saved. But you and I must apply the blood by receiving Christ as our Savior as we repent of our sin and confess them. Listen, Jesus shed his blood to appease God's anger. Paul spoke of Jesus as the one who would turn aside his wrath. At the heart of propitiation, that's exactly what it means. To propitiate is to turn aside or to appease or to pacify someone's wrath. And wrath, as it relates to God, is God's justifiable anger. Some consider the image of propitiation to be more pagan than Christian. They don't want to believe in an angry God. So they deny God's holy character, his own holiness, and his justice. Friend of mine, it's very important today that we, even as Christians who are saved, understand not only what we are saved to, but what we have been saved from. Friend of mine, I I, I don't know... What kind of trials and tests still await me while I'm awaiting the coming of the Lord or my going to him? But I know one thing for certain, there's nothing that can happen to me between here and heaven that is worth looking back or turning back. Amen. Amen. Not only is there a heaven to gain that is so precious and so wonderful, there is a hell to shun the justifiable anger of God. Uh, Listen, it is a fearful thing, the Apostle Paul taught to fall into the hands of the living God. That means to face God without the grace that grants forgiveness, without the mercy that is offered to us, without the salvation that has been provided for us, to stand before him in our sins, and not only in our sins, but in our absolute rejection of God's offer to forgive them and to seal us for heaven. Amen. I like this statement. I want to read it to you. It said, but we have to understand this rightly because the anger or wrath of God is often misunderstood. Many think of God as some sort of peeved deity, a kind of cosmic, terrible, tempered being who indulges in violent, uncontrolled displays of temper when human beings do not do what they ought to do. But God does not fly off the handle at the most trivial aggravation. Still less does he lose his temper for no apparent reason at all. God is never malicious, spiteful, or vindictive. His anger is never mysterious nor irrational. It is never unpredictable but always predictable. The fact is, it is sin and evil that arouses the wrath of God. God is angry with sin and evil in all of its forms and manifestations. That's why, you see, Jonathan Edwards preached in his in the, his generation back in the 1700s a message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Jonathan Edwards uses the picture as an illustration of a spider hanging by one of its silver threads. Underneath it is a fire. At any moment, a spark or heat could sever the thread and the spider would end up falling into the flames. You and I, dear people, are hanging by a thread if you don't know Christ. Listen. Hanging by a thread. One breath away, one heartbeat away from eternity. Listen, that is so crucial to understand today. Amen. while we have life, while we have breath, while we have the opportunity to call upon the Lord, repent of our sins, we need to run to him and quit running from him. Whatever sin Satan is dangling in front of us that would cause us to look back, want to go back, or in particular not to want to come to Christ, we need to recognize there is indeed a heaven to gain. That's one incentive, but there's a second incentive. There is a hell to shun. Listen, Jonathan Edwards would counter the certainty of judgment with the certainty of forgiveness. And reconciliation through the blood of Jesus. Was Edwards off track? Was he one of those Bible thumping, fire and brimstone preachers? Did he read from the same Bible? More importantly, did he preach it accurately? Listen to John 3 and verse 36. It says, He that believeth on the Son, and this is Jesus speaking, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth on not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's why he coined that phrase, sinners, in the hands of an angry God. Romans 1 verse 18 said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. You know the message of judgment to come is a lost message in our contemporary postmodern world and particularly church world. Listen to though to the scriptures again. Listen to Romans 2 and verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That's what the wrath of God is all about. He's not throwing a temper tantrum. He's not just moving in in anger. This is the righteous judgment of God. And verse 6 says, Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Listen, that in every man his wrath abides on, Aren't you glad you have the Son today? That you have life? Oh, friend of mine, it's time to, to begin to rejoice and joy in our salvation. Hallelujah. Jesus' blood has satisfied God's justice and appeased His wrath. Our sins were judged in Him. Our f- offenses literally nailed to His cross. Once again, not only in Matthew 3 and 6, but also in Luke 3 and 6. Coincidentally, Amen. John the Baptist asked, Who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? I'm going to tell you when Holy Spirit conviction comes upon someone, two things occur. Number one, we are convicted of our sin and we are deeply deeply bothered by that. We understand we are lost. We are in a terrible, terrifying, fearful state without His salvation. Therefore, amen, we are warned to flee the wrath to come. The term wrath of the Lamb seems like a paradox. The Savior who sacrificed Himself, rejected, now has become the judge who condemns Listen to Revelation six twelve through 17. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. The heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens in the rocks of the mountains and said unto, now mark this, they're not trying to escape death per se. They are trying to find a hiding place from the wrath of God. Listen, and they said unto the mountains, fall on us. If you're just trying to save your life <laughs> in and of itself, that then you're not going to cry for mountains and rocks to fall on you. And hide us, listen, hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of of the lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand who shall be able to stand the tribulation is going to bring cataclysmic cataclysmic judgments upon the earth and people will Literally try to die. They will want to find a a way to escape this judgment. And, And their fear is from the wrath of him that sits on the throne. And the wrath of the Lamb. When John, the Revelator, sees Jesus in the Book of Revelation, by the way, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the Antichrist, and that's that's why until un, until he be revealed, there's no there's no way to predict who he is. But that day will come because the Book of Revelation is is the revelation. It begins with the revelation of Jesus. Christ and it's him as the glorified king of kings lord of lords and it's him as to the one to whom god has given the right to judge because it was his blood that was shed and it was his shed blood that was rejected and that is why there is such a terrible terrible terrifying future for those of whom the wrath of God is abiding on. It's not just because we've sinned. It's because we've rejected God's only begotten Son, and we've rejected His shed blood in our behalf by rejecting the offer of salvation. Oh, friend of mine, I'm so glad that I have run from the wrath of God, and I'm so glad... Today that I have run to Jesus Christ. And I you know the scripture said in that we are not appointed as God's children. We are not appointed to wrath. Oh, somebody say man. Hallelujah. If you ever want to shout about something, don't wait until you win the lotto. <laughs> if you play it. Amen. Listen, don't wait until a windfall of money comes. Uh, don't wait until something so f- Far, uh, far d- d- detached from what we really should be rejoicing about. I love Psalm 51. It says, Wash me with hyssop. David's prayer of repentance. King David. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Amen. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The joy, literally, of his answering prayer and delivering when we call upon him. Listen. Listen. That's what we need desperately, amen, as part of the revival God wants to send to His church and His people. You need to get up in the morning, no matter what else has transpired, what else is going on, what trial, what test, what kind of situation that may be negative in in this faulty body, in this fallen world, rejoice, Hallelujah, that you are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And let God restore unto you and I the joy of our salvation. Praise God. Amen. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica about this wrath to come. Listen to it, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His power. O oh, friend of mine, Oh, dear Friend of mine. When John saw Jesus in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, his hair was like wool. That means he has not come to save only, he has also come to judge. Listen, his eyes were as a flame of fire. That doesn't mean he has x-ray vision like Superman and, you know, he can see in the human heart, although he can see in the human heart. But that's not what this means. It means fiery indignation. It's representing the wrath of the Lamb. Salvation from an angry God comes only by means of propitiation. To be saved... God's anger against sin and the sinner needs to be appeased. It needs to be satisfied because God cannot and God will not abide sin in the sense that it has not been forgiven. Amen. Because his wrath, his justifiable anger is abiding on us until our sins are forgiven until we are are washed in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross, atoned for our sin, appeased God's wrath. That's what atonement is all about. It's satisfied God's justice, <laughs> and thank God it set us free. Listen to Romans five nine, it says much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Praise God. Friend of mine, I don't have faith in my own righteousness, but I have faith in Christ's blood. I don't have faith in my, my denominational affiliation, <laughs> I, that is, that I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos, but I have faith in Christ's blood. I don't have faith in an earthly preach, preacher or priest. But in my great high priest, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for me. Because Christ's blood justifies us, we will be saved from the wrath to come. I've told this very true illustration before. In the marketplace of Rotterdam, Holland, stood for many years an old corner house known as the House of a Thousand Terrors. In the 16th century, King Philip II of Spain ruled Holland. The city of Rotterdam revolted against his tyrannical rule. King Philip said, I'm not going to put up with that. And he sent the Duke of Alba with a vast army to go and reconquer Rotterdam, Holland. Rotterdam put up quite a fight, but eventually capitulated to the siege. And when the victors walked in, they were not pleased with Rotterdam. They went door to door, Listen, killing men, women, and children in their homes. It was a vast slaughter. In one home, a family was huddled in a corner with some of their friends and relatives. They could hear the bloodshed coming down the street, the soldiers coming, killing their neighbors. Later, the house was called the House of a Thousand Terrors because it was if a thousand terrors gripped their hearts. But one young man stepped out of his fear for a moment with an inspired idea. He, behind the house, grabbed the goat, pulled it into the living room, and there by the front door of the house slaughtered the goat. Then he took a a broom and swept the goat's blood under the door onto the front steps. The soldiers came and pounded on the door, tried to beat it down, no answer. One soldier said, Look! There's blood under the door. The work here has already been done. And they passed over that house. Oh, friend, when God sees the blood of Jesus, He declares, Hallelujah, the work has already been done. Justice has been satisfied. The sin debt has been paid. In full, so many of the old hymns of the faith celebrate and proclaim the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood as one of them? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And Jesus paid it all, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. And just as I am, that great invitation song and celebration of salvation song, just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to Thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O oh, Lamb of God, I come. You see, we don't run from Him. We run to Him just like we are. Hallelujah. And oh, happy day. Happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Hallelujah. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Amen. Hallelujah. There are so many. Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith for my cleansing, I see thy blood flow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Hallelujah. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Listen. God is telling us today through his word that our current popular version of Christianity—comfortable, humorous, superficial, entertaining, worldly-wise—is exposed for the irreverent presentation of the gospel that it really is. A preacher is commissioned to give people not what they want, but what they desperately need. No man has any business walking into the pulpit to entertain He is there to present Calvary in all its fullness of hope and glory. Amen. It is said that Gandhi once asked some Christian missionaries to sing him a song. They asked which song he would like to hear. He answered the one that expresses all that is deepest in their faith. After briefly consulting one another, they sang, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Today, today God is speaking to someone distinctly and directly. He's speaking to all of us. But He's speaking to someone today in a very personal and precise way. And He's calling you to flee the wrath to come. He loves you. He doesn't want to judge you. He wants to save you. But if you walk away from the shed blood of Jesus, from the sacrifice of the Lamb, there's nothing left for God to do but to judge you. But He's beseeching you today. He's calling you today to run to Him. Just as you are, without one plea, but Jesus' blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God. I come. I come. Run to God today. Flee the wrath to come. You don't have to be lost. He doesn't want you lost. So run to Him. And Christian, today... Begin to rejoice that you are saved. You're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. You don't have to fear the judgment to come. Oh, Christian, begin to sing those songs of Zion again. (laughs) Get your harp off the willow tree. Amen. Put it in (laughs) Put it, tune it up (laughs) and turn it on. And when you get to church Sunday, you be the one that sings the loudest with the twinkle in your eye. Not because you're not going through trials and tests and all kinds of trouble. But because you have been saved. And you are saved from the wrath to come. And let God restore unto you the joy of His salvation In Jesus' name.